Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything business-to-business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse, early-stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I am super excited to introduce you to Shawanda Roberts. Shawanda is Vice President of Sales for Frost & Sullivan, a leading mentor for emerging sales leaders, is an incredible doc connector and networking guru and an all-around amazing human being. Shawanda, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yay. All right. So let's get started. Why don't you, um, just to kick it off, talk a little bit about your current role and maybe you can share with our listeners your journey into sales. Absolutely. So as Heidi mentioned in my introduction, I'm a vice president of sales at Frost and Sullivan. I actually consider myself in what I would call a player coach role. Um, and at Frost and Sullivan, we actually are a um, advisory firm that is exclusively focused on helping clients to identify prioritize and implement their growth strategies. And so I um, do that for a lot of my clients, but then I also have the privilege of leading and managing a team of dynamite sales executives that do the exact same thing that I do. So um, if you look at my sales journey, so it's a little bit interesting. So I would say that I started my very first sales job at the age of 16 when I was working in the telemarketing industry. And there I was actually selling these little bitty die cast models of Harley Davidson um, motorcycles to avid collectors. And so I left there. I then went to um, work, you know, was in college and I was working at Enterprise and renting out cars. And I think the only sales component there was really, do you want to buy the insurance or not? right? Um, There was no hard pressure on that, but it was a yes or no question. And that was about it. Um, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, I then left there and went to go work for a tier one financial services company right after I graduated. And I was uh, selling um, consumer servicing or selling and servicing consumer loans. All right. Um, I then was approached by one of my good friends there that was working at a B2B company. And she said, hey, you should really look at getting into B2B sales. And at this point, I was like, well, what's the difference between B2B and B2C? I had no earthly clue. Um, So I interviewed and ended up getting the job. And um, that was really my first time 15 years ago, I will say, um, to this day, it was my first time of actually getting into B2B sales which was a whole different ball game to me. Um, I had to approach strangers that, you know, just straight cold calling and not even knowing if they would, you know, want my services or my solutions or sales or whatever. Um, And so it was definitely a little bit of a learning curve. But once I got the hang of it, I was like, this is golden. And so I have been here ever since. And um I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything for the world. Yeah, that's a really interesting path. And what I absolutely love about that story 
is that, you know, your journey to sales does not have to be linear, right? And even from, you know, sales into sales leadership into executive management doesn't have to be uh, linear. And I, I think a lot of other positions maybe are. are. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. It's funny because um, the person that hired me was actually a woman. And um, years later, she actually told me, and she's still one of my mentors to this day. And I, I said, hey, you know, what really made you hire me? Because I really didn't have a lot of background in B2B sales. And she said the number one thing was when you came in and interviewed, you had confidence in your voice. She said, and you had customer service background. And she said, that is key to being in sales is having a customer service background because you always have to make sure that your client is happy and that you are answering the questions and the challenges that they have given to you, right? Um, But she said, also sounding confident in your voice. And I said, wow, I never really thought about that. Um, and it is absolutely true because I remember when I first started getting on the phone calls, you know, I would be hearing different things coming out of the client's mouth and I had no earthly clue what they were talking about, but I made it a point to make it sound like I did. Right. And, and I wasn't afraid to say, you know, I don't have the answer to that question, but I will get the answer for you and come back to you. And I think when you can have that confidence and the ability to tell a client that it absolutely works. Now, as I started, you know, continuing to hit target, I started taking on more additional responsibilities outside of my job role. And um, from there, it became, well, you know what, you, you're starting to have a lot of people that are, are coming to you and you're leading the t- We would love for you to just lead the team. Is that okay? And of course, I was like, well, sure, you know, because I, I had a great time doing it and I loved doing it. And so that's how I ended up kind of becoming into that leadership role of kind of being a team lead. And then it became, okay, you're going to now manage the team. So we're going to give you a team target on top of your individual target. And we want you to hit both. So you know what I find though, it's, it's interesting because that seems like the natural path, but you know, sometimes the best salespeople are not necessarily the best leaders. So Bingo. what tools were you given to assure that you could make that transition successfully? Yes. Yes. So one of the things that I made sure I did was I've always been a huge believer in perfecting my craft. Okay. So I never want to get to this ego of I'm a leader, you're the sales rep, you need to do what you're going to do, and you need to listen to what I have to say. I actually made sure that I approached my team and said, listen, we are colleagues, we are a team. We, you know, come across the same challenges. Let's share in best practices. And oh, by the way, have you seen a lot of the free trainings that are out there to help perfect your craft? And the more and more I think we can help people to, you know, continue to perfect their craft and not get set in their ways, because as you know, the sales industry, technology, everything is changing rapidly. What clients want to hear, what clients want to get, how often and how soon they want to have access to whatever it is that you're selling or whatever, you know, technology that you're selling, it's, it's always changing. 
And so I think if you can stay out in continuing to perfect your craft and you know what, if the current company you are with is not providing it, go out and get it somewhere. Don't rely just on the company to help you perfect your craft. You've got to actually own it and you've got to go after it. And that is actually what I have been doing till this day. Even I, even though I would say I've been in the game for 15 years, I'm still out there on virtual, you know, um, trainings and stuff. And it's anything from sales one-on-one to strategic account planning to leading, you know, leading with empathy or just leading in general. I'm all for being on those calls and being at those conferences to just learn. There may be some new best practices out there that I don't know about and I need to start implementing in my own work. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think being a continuous learner, right, and just owning the fact that you don't always have all the answers and um, and having mentors, right, that can help guide the yeah. way is really important, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mentor, mentorship is definitely a huge um, area. And that is, you know, I finally got the guts to ask for a mentor. And that's only been a few months ago. So again, it tells you it's never wow. too late to to start doing new things. You know, I've been in been in sales 15 plus years, never really had someone that I just said, listen, can you be my mentor? Always kind of just relied on my my female um, counterpart and boss that I had that helped me to kind of move through the ranks. Um, and that that was that. So let me ask a, a, a question just to pivot a little bit. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the of the conversation, you know, one of our goals as an organization is to try to increase diversity in sales. Um, and when you look at the numbers, and I know you have a lot of the stats, you could probably um, maybe share some of them with our audience. But, you know, women in general are way underrepresented in, in sales. But when you overlay any kind of diversity statistic, particularly women of color, um, the numbers are just obscene, right? I, 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 I think they're in the low single digit. So, um, and yet, you know, a lot of companies now have a big focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion and diversity hiring. And so, you know, would you be willing to share, you know, um, you know, you know, some of your learnings along the way, um, being a, a woman of color in sales, right? Um, and um, how, you know, how can companies really begin to, you know, attract more diversity into the workplace? Because um, from, from my perspective, you know, even if you look at the 32 or 35% of women in sales today, it's not going to be good enough for us to just increase the number of women in sales. That'd be great. But unless we also at the same time in parallel um, increase the diversity in sales um, outside of gender, then I don't think that we're going to achieve our overall goals. And it's proven that diversity improves improves overall company performance and there's so many benefits to having diverse thought in in organizations. So um 
I'll lob it over to you to just share your, you know, your thoughts about that and how you, yeah. you've used your voice um, to be a mentor and role model for other, you know, young women of color in sales. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and so, you know, if you if I will be very frank with you now and tell you that I believe that a lot of women like me have been naive to not only the gender gap in sales, but also the low percentages of women of color, not only in sales, but in sales leadership. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a story that, you know, it wasn't until um, things were going on in the world in 2020 with the George Floyd um, issue and the police brutality against African-Americans that having just conversations with my husband, okay, and my family is what really made me to start thinking about, wow, there are a lot of inequities that are going on with people of color in the society. But then I turned it around and looked at it from a sales perspective. And one of the things that I looked at is I said, you know, I'm looking at the current organization that I'm in right now, and I could probably only name maybe four to five African-Americans that even work in the organization. Then I started looking at leadership and said, I am one, maybe two that look like me in this organization. Why is that? And then I started thinking about all of the other women of color that were coming to me to ask me advice on, listen, how did you get to where you are? I need help. I need help with career planning. No one is doing this for me. What do I do? And that's what really made me open my eyes and say, oh my gosh. I have really been sleeping on this. And I think year over year, what I was doing is, listen, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, going up the ladder at a nice, a nice pace. Um, I feel like I'm going in, I'm making great money. I'm coming to work. I'm selling, I'm going home and being with my family. And that is it. I didn't, no one was mentioning to me about gender gap until I really started researching it and looking into it. I started joining women organizations and started just, learning more about what is the status quo right now and why is it that way? And then I started feeling the love and passion to say, oh my God, I've got to be part of this change because although I may have come through the ranks um, in a, in a, in a, I guess in an easier way, most people my, in my gender and my ethnicity ha- don't have that luxury. And then I started to think about why is that? Well, I was fortunate to be hired under a woman of color that literally pushed me and helped me to get where I am today by mentoring me without me even knowing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things was, you know, do I feel like I have... um, well, let me, let me take it back. When I say that I've been naive to things, um, you know, one of the compliment or one of the, the things that I said to my husband, when all this was going on in 2020 was, you know, um, I, I don't think that I've ever really been racially profiled in my life. 
And he said, you know, babe, you, you, you probably have, but you've been naive to it because it's not bluntly said to you. Hmm. And I said, wow, you might be right. And then I started thinking about all of the little microaggressions that have been said to me that I just, me being the happy-go-lucky person, just kind of laughed it off and, and kept moving. It's the same thing in sales. There have been certain things that have been said to me that were a stab at me being a woman. And I didn't realize it because I just laughed it off like, oh, I like this person. This person likes me. But in actuality, there were, there were microaggressions that I just mm-hmm. did not know. And so I started really taking what people were saying to me and really starting to think about it to understand, oh, I know what you're really trying to say behind those words. And then I started voicing myself and started calling people out for certain things and saying things in the most polite manner that I can to make sure that they understand, hey, I know exactly what you meant by that. And this is what we're not going to do today. (laughs) You you know, things like that. Yeah, I think calling it out, calling out bad behavior, um, even if it's unintentional. Like I do, I do right. think some of those microaggressions, while in some cases they are intentional for sure, um, you know, in some cases it's it it, it is not. And um, I think facilitating those what can be perceived as uncomfortable conversations are really healthy and being able to educate someone someone on why what they said was inappropriate is super important. And then they can choose to learn from it and make changes or not. I like to think, and maybe it's my naivete, that most people um, don't want to hurt someone else intentionally. You know, Uh I, I know... I, I know agree. There's probably debate, but maybe in the workplace, yeah. it's not intentional. So, what would be an example, maybe, of you know something somebody says, and then your reaction to facilitate, you know, to turn what could be a very uncomfortable conversation into something positive? Yeah. Um, God, there's so many out there. But I do know, you know, when again, everything was going on with George Floyd, I remember that I was actually on a call. And um, it was brought up that, you know, um, and I wouldn't even say it was brought up, it it was brought up, it was actually said in a meeting, because they were trying to talk about everything that was happening in the world with George Floyd. And, you know, one of the things that they said was the attack on colored people. Mm. And I was like, whoa, we don't we don't use that term anymore, colored people. Um, And so that was that was kind of one thing. The other thing was, um, as you know, that there are little Zoom filters, you know, on on here. And there's one where it's it's real dark background and the person has on sunglasses. I can't think of the name of it. And someone mentioned on a call, oh, you better not call the Black Lives Matter people. And it was like, whoa, well, you know, exactly. Tell me, what did you mean by that statement? And it was, oh, I I didn't I didn't mean anything, you know, by it. Well, you said it. So you meant something by it. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was really no need to say, you know, something like that. 
um, there, there's just so many of them out there. Um, I think people have, have, have gotten a little bit better, but I think that it's still out there for sure. Um, I think also the other thing too, and you see it all over, all over, you know, social profiles is, you know, when people are, um, nominated or put into a board or into a leadership position and they're, they're told that, you know, they, they check the box for diversity. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. So basically what you're telling me is because I am an African-American woman and, you know, that I check the box of being, being diverse for your organization, but you're not looking at my value and the skills that I bring to the organization. It shouldn't be considered, quote unquote, a diversity hire. It should just be we've got a very talented woman that is bringing all of these skills and values to the organization, regardless of what color I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, too, you can look at just from even a woman of color standpoint and even just women in general, let's just say that is the way that men can talk to people in email or over a phone call versus the way that a woman can speak. Um, If a woman says the exact same things that could be very downgrading to from a man in an email or a phone call they kind of get the slap on the hand or maybe they don't get talked to at all. But if it was me that said the exact same things that a man said, you know, that was very degrading, then I'm getting called into the office. I'm getting called, I'm getting reprimanded or, you know, I am um, being considered bossy and aggressive. Yeah. So there's so much of that, that we have to deal with. And, you know, we originally started a, um, a grassroots organization for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and it's the first time that, you know, the company has really ever done anything on it. Um, but one of the things that I did say is, you know, listen, guys, I don't want to lead this, this effort. I'm definitely on the committee and will voice my concerns and my opinions and things like that. But if I get too passionate about it or I'm trying to come across, I can be seen as the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. And I'll be stereotyped into that, that, that box, right? And so I've got to tread carefully there. So there's a lot of things that women and women of color have to tread lightly on that regular women don't. Yeah. When it comes to certain issues um, and things like that. But Again, I go back to just saying, I think a lot of women, women of color may be like me, where they're, they've been naive this whole time to the gender gap and the low percentages of women moving into leadership, or they just don't even know where to turn to start having a conversation about it, which is where I think organizations like Girls Who Sell National Association of Women Sales Professionals, all of these women organizations that are um, passionate about this topic, it's going to really help to expand and broaden the awareness to the community overall, right? Yeah, I I love all all of that is, is, um, there's so many nuggets of wisdom there um, that, that companies can learn from that, I, you know, I think they're trying, but, you know, I think we have a long way to go. Um, Agreed. Yeah, we have a long way to long way to go. And um, and it's got in from my perspective, you know, George Floyd, you know, was the, you know, 
trigger for some of this um, conversation and that had to happen. Um, but it was such a long time coming and yes. it can't be a, just a single conversation, a one and done, right? This is, um, you know, this has got to be, um, it's got to be a part of an organization's DNA. That's it. That is it right there. It's got to be part of their DNA. It's got to be part of their policy. It's got to be part of their norms and how they behave on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that's that's where you will see, you know, the mind, the mindset shift, the culture shift. Um, and you know, again, if you think about it, the up-and-coming generation, they're not going to stand for it. Mm-mm. And so, you know, we've got to make sure that we're kind of accelerating the pace of DE&I um, and making sure that we're, we're on top of it. And like you said, it's going to take a long time, but the more we could band together um, and the more we have allies by our side, the you know, the, the easier I would say, and I wouldn't say it's going to be an easy because it's never going to be easy, um, okay. but it'll make it a little better. It'll make it a little better. And, you know, even just in general, you know, when you talk about diversity hiring, you know, even in targeting women, um, you know, there's so many challenges, particularly um, for organizations that are trying to attract more women into sales, right? Uh, in terms of the qualifications that they're asking for or uh, the, you know, the, the verbiage that they're using in their recruiting advertising, you know, from, I'd be interested in your perspective on, you know, what guidance would you give to an organization that is looking to diversify their sales, their sales force? Yeah. Number one, I would make sure that they take a look at where they're actually recruiting. So where are you putting your job postings on? Are you just going through a regular indeed.com? Are you going through monster.com? Or are you going to where the people are? So are you going to girls who sell and NAWSP and women's sales club and all the others out there to say, listen, we are looking for some talented women. We've got some job postings out there. What can we do to partner together? I don't know how many organizations are actually doing that, especially if they're wanting talented women in certain positions. Um, That's one thing. The other thing is I would look at the the job description itself and look at the words that are in there, right? And make sure that they're gender neutral and they're not catered to just what men would be doing um, versus what men and women would be doing. One of the things that I have recently seen from some recruiters, which I absolutely love, and I did not see this years ago, is when they're posting jobs out there and they're they're actually encouraging you to apply even if you don't meet 100% of the requirements. When you, when you just put that out there, there's something that happens in a woman's brain to say, okay, They've given me the okay. I know I don't, you know, make 100% of the qualifications, but I sure as well, you know, am 90% qualified for this thing. And whatever that 10% is that I'm not qualified for, I can learn it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when they are, when you are actually putting it out there and telling candidates, don't worry if you don't make 100% of the qualifications, apply anyway. To me, it really, I mean, it literally makes me smile 
when I'm looking at a, you know, a job posting and I see that it just makes me smile. Yeah. It's so interesting because, um, I, I had seen HubSpot do that. They, I think they are the cutting edge actually on some of the recruiting ads that they're doing in terms of, um, you know, the gender neutral, um, advertising, even the graphics that they're using, that they're showing representation from, um, not only different, you know, um, genders and ethnicities and sexual orientations, and they're doing such a great job, um, from that perspective, but it's, it, it is interesting that, um, you know, women in general don't have the confidence, the same level of confidence that men do to apply if they can't check 10 out of 10 boxes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. And it's funny because I I, I tell my husband that all the time because he he has that confidence in me and it takes a while for my confidence level to get up to where his confidence level <laughs> is <laughs> in me. And, you know, he's been a huge component of me just kind of opening up a lot more about the issues that are going on and how I feel and what my value and what my worth is. And you need to have people in your corner that do that, because I think we all get down on ourselves. We all think that we can't do something, Um, but we need those people in our corner that are cheering us on and saying, no, go for it. You know, you'll never know if you accomplish it if you don't even try. So just go for it. And so yeah. I think we need a lot more people in, in that, that corner that can help us with that. The other thing too, is I don't see enough organizations trying to promote the women they currently have within the organizations into some of these roles that they're looking for. A lot of times the very first um, step that they take is we're just going to post it out externally. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you posting on your internal job boards, even if you even have something like that? Because I know a lot of organizations that don't even have an internal job posting and the people are finding out because they see it on another website. And it's like, whoa, I'd be interested in this. And I've worked for this company. I've been here for X number of years. Um, why wasn't I even given the opportunity to you know, look at this or whatever it is. So I think also, you know, organizations have to start looking within. And I think in some organizations, it's really sad, but if you were to look at the data based on the levels in the organization, right, you may see a lot of women at the bottom levels of those organizations that are in kind of support roles. Mm -hmm. And as it goes up the chain, that number or percentage of women drops significantly. So it tells me you have a ton of potential talent right here in the organization that you would not really have to take a full 90 days to train up because they know the organization. But there's so much money that could be saved as well with just promoting from within, right? And looking at the wonderful women that are there and promoting them up the ranks um, instead of trying to get someone off the street, whether it's a man or a woman. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's really expensive to recruit new talent. And um, and then you have the learning curve, right? Like it makes so much sense to career path internally, um, you know, but you have to provide the training. It's interesting. I, I think about this a lot because, you know, there's one, you know, we can develop and work with um, colleges and, you know, corporations and, and build this pipeline of diverse sales talent, but unless we change the culture once they 
get into the organization and provide them with the the training and mentorship and and career pathing that you know that they need to be able to accelerate their career long term companies are not going to keep them yeah and then you're just you're, filling empty buckets right you're right you're absolutely right so we need to it, it we definitely need to fix it so let me um you know if if we have um you know in you know our listeners you know out there um you know if there are other um, young women of color that are potentially, you know, thinking about a career in sales, what kind of guidance would you give them or not even women of color, just women in general, but, um, but, um, you know, I think as a, you know, definitely definite role model, um, that your, your perspective would be so, so interesting, right? Um, what, what, what would that guidance be? You know, I would say um, to continue building and nurturing relationships, Um, meet new people. Um, You know, they always tell you in sales, you want to be interesting and you want to be interested. And that goes the the exact same for your personal life as well. I think that's how you see people that have a lot of um, social counterparts and friends um, because they they trust them, they believe in them, they know they're there to listen with a listening ear, and also there to help them whenever they need help. So building those relationships, I think is one thing. Um, I also think that volunteering and community service is a huge one. Giving back to others. What to me this helps teach in sales is the ability to go out and do things outside of your current job description for a company. Okay, it helps to build on the multitasking skills and it also helps to build on the organization skills because you can do multiple things and still be organized with it. But at the same point or the same time, you're helping a company to grow and whatever it is that you're doing outside of just selling and bringing revenue into the fold. That could look like training. It could like it could look like mentoring. There's a lot of different ways that that can look. But I would say that. When you hold, when you're used to doing community service and volunteering, it really helps to translate into a sales career. The other thing I would say is to whatever you do, and this is more geared towards women of color because it's been an issue, is to be your authentic self, which means wear your hair, how it makes you feel, how it makes you feel happy, okay? And I will tell you, I have been one of those that put myself in a box for years. So I've, I've been, my hair is natural like this. It's been natural. Um, but for years, I would make sure and flat iron it straight because I wanted to make sure that I fit in to the space and the people that I was working with. And again, it wasn't until recently to when I said, you know what? It takes me like two or three hours to get this done to make sure that I'm fitting in a box. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And so I, you know, went along with a lot of other people and said, no, I'm just going to go with my natural look. That's what I did. Um, And then I started to receive rave reviews on it and compliments. And so it then, you know, kind of boosted up that confidence again. And I started feeling really happy about it, as well as it only took me 30 seconds versus 
two hours to do my hair. So yeah, you can reallocate two hours of time a day is huge, right? Like, (laughs) absolutely. And And you look fabulous, by the way. (laughs) Thank you so much. But you know, again, it's, it's little things like that where, oh my God, I was able to put another hour and a half back in my day that I originally didn't have, you know, when I was trying to fit myself in this little box to, to make sure that I was looking good for other people right? And not myself. Um, and then again, voicing your opinions and, and, and also your concerns and asking questions. That is the biggest thing. Asking questions when you don't understand something. A lot of us will just go right past it and we never understand what it is. But in sales, you definitely can't do that. You're going to have to understand what it is that your client is, is asking you to do or what solution that you can provide best for them based on the challenges that they're giving you. And so if you learn to ask questions prior to getting into a sales career, then it makes it a lot easier when you're prospecting and you're doing discovery questions and discovery calls. Now, one of the things is when you when you actually do get into sales and you say, you know what, I think I want to do the next step in my career and I want to actually move now to leadership. Again, I would say voice your uh, career paths and what it is that you want to do to whoever your immediate boss is. If you do not see movement or you do not see that person trying to help you, then it's time to take it up to the next level. Which means or going leave, to, I guess, or right? leave, like, right? Yeah. Or leave. You, you but have you need, that choice, right? You have that choice, but you've got to have those conversations. And although it may feel uncomfortable for you to do it, you've got to get on that call and you've got to say, "Listen, I'm ready to move to the next level in my career. I am trying to understand if X Y Z company can help me get there, and if not, then maybe I need to look at some other options. So, what is it?" What can I do? What can you do to help me get there? And you've got to be very confident in that approach um, because that I think is what opens up eyes and ears. And then they start trying, if they really value you and they want to keep you, they will find a way to get you to make sure you're happy and going down your career path. And at the same time, it's valuable to them as a company. And and the only thing I would would pile on on that, because that's great advice, is also demand to be paid what you're worth. Bingo. That is, that is number one. And you know what? I will tell you this. If you get a merit increase or you get that promotion and you feel it is not what market value is, get out there and do your research on it and send a very direct email to whoever you need to have it done, whether it's your boss, HR, whoever does the pay and just tell them, this is what people in my role are getting paid. This is what I'm getting paid. There is a discrepancy here. Can we mm-hmm. talk about this? And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, you will, you may not get exactly what you want, but at least you will have a conversation. And if you don't have a conversation, that's a good key to tell you it's time for me to start looking elsewhere for people that are going to value me and, and value my skills and talent. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. And if, if any of our listeners want to be able to connect with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? 
I would say LinkedIn, of course. Um, I am on LinkedIn just under Shawanda Roberts. I respond very quickly to those because I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a Facebook page out there just under Shawanda Roberts as well. Um, I've got Instagram. I will tell you, I have no idea how to use Instagram. I just kind of <laughs> go out there and look. So um, <laughs> that probably is not the best way to get in touch with me. Um, and then they can always reach me just by email as well. Um, and so my personal email, just in case anyone needs it, is just shawandaroberts at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for your transparency and willingness to share your your wisdom with all of our listeners. I really And again, it. Heidi, thank you so much for asking me. Um, this is probably one of the first times that I have shared my journey publicly. And so thank you for giving me the outlet to do so. Um, but again, I'm very passionate just like you are you are and you know getting more women in sales and just helping women get to that next level. So I'm here if anyone needs any help. That's great. I'm so glad that we can amplify your voice. It's super important. Absolutely. Thanks, Shawanda. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Thank care. you. Bye. Bye-bye.